I'd like to call to order the special City Council meeting of March the 6th, 2023. Before asking um, uh, the clerk to call the roll for tonight's meeting, I would like to ask for a motion to excuse Council Member Nixon. So moved. So moved. Second. Second. Okay, I believe it was moved by Council Member Curtis. Council Member Curtis and seconded by Council Member Black. Thank you very much. The question is on the motion to excuse Council Member Nixon from this evening's special council meeting. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? The motion carries unanimously. Okay. Um, Would you like me to take the roll? Please, please call the roll. Yes. Council Member Black. Here. Council Member Curtis. Here. Council Member Falcone. Here. Council Member Pascal. Here. Deputy Mayor Arnold. Here. Mayor Sweet. Here. Thank you. Tonight's meeting is a hybrid meeting. Community members are welcome to join us either in person or remotely through Zoom or by telephone. And I personally apologize for not being there in person, but I had a dog problem today, this, this evening. Uh, with that, we are now going to introduce and are going to entertain an introduction and future of the Houghton Village property. City Manager. Deputy City Manager Lopez. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I think it's me introducing tonight's event. And we're just going to take a minute to load my PowerPoint. Just, if you just open it up. Yeah, so thank you, thank you very much, Madam Mayor, and welcome everyone. My name is Jim Lopez. I'm the Deputy City Manager tonight, and I'm going to be facilitating tonight's hybrid town hall meeting, and we're excited to do this. Um, <clears throat> if you're at home watching, we do have a process by which you're going to be able to participate, so don't worry. And we, have, we should have plenty of time to hear everybody. So, as the mayor noted, this is a notice meeting tonight and the city council is here. Many council members are here sitting among you, taking notes, pen and paper in hand. It is our practice for town halls to have the council listen. Um, that is the point of tonight, is to both give you information about this exciting opportunity and to have your feedback and communication and I'll do my best to promote conversation and make sure that I carry one point to another point so that the council can hear as much insight as possible. But that's really the point of tonight, is for the council to be here and to be present to listen to all of your views. We are recording tonight on Zoom, so we will have a recording of it, and we'll make sure that Councilmember Nixon gets that recording. As the mayor noted, we have six of our seven council members present tonight, and thank you so much for that. And for the council, as always, please feel free to ask a question or comment as needed and make sure that I'm getting everything right. So it's also very important to note that we have the city manager on the line, Kurt Triplett. Um, 
so Kurt, I'm not sure how many lifelines I get, but I'll probably be calling the city manager for answers to questions should I not have them. So thank you, Kurt. He is virtual. And um, with that, let's talk a little bit about tonight's agenda. We're going to go from now, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. I'm going to do a presentation. Thank you, Ennis, for loading it up uh, for about 20 minutes. Um, now, once the presentation is done, what we hope to get is your questions, comments, insights. For those of you in the building, the bathrooms are right uh, behind you in the hall. Feel free to jump up and leave at any time. Uh, for those of you in, at home, um, please sign up if you expect to speak or if you want to speak. Like I say, we have every expectation we'll get everybody's comments tonight. The staff will be announcing folks as they sign up, and I'll take their guidance as to who's next, but we're going to do that on a first-come, first-served basis. I am joined tonight for, uh, for this presentation by several panelists, an esteemed panel. To my right, and thank you both for balancing out. I kind of feel like, I don't know if I may be dating myself, but years ago they had these things called roasts. Dean Martin used to do roasts. I feel like I'm going to be roasted tonight, sitting with the flanks. Uh, Beth Goldberg, Deputy City Manager, is to my left, to my right. Uh, Adam Weinstein, our Planning Director, is to my left. Uh, two very important um, decision makers in this process. We also have Joel Fun, Transportation Manager at home. He is on the virtual panel. And Jen Moon, our Human Services Manager is on the virtual panel as well. Welcome, just please have a seat. We've jumped into the agenda. A special thanks to Don Robinson for helping to prepare tonight's event. Don has the misfortune of having his office right outside my door. And you handle it with aplomb as I poke my head out. So with that, let's begin with the slides. And the slides are really meant to kind of set the stage of where we are in this process. And the spoiler alert is that we are very, very early in the process. Um, that's why we're starting now. And with the amount of um, opportunity, it's good to know that we have a good amount of time to collaborate together on what would be the best course of action for the city. So you can see all around us here at uh, City Hall, images of the slide deck. The future of the Houghton Village property. Let's see if that worked. Yes. Okay, so Houghton Village, just as a kind of foundational point, I think you probably all know where it's located, uh, near Northeast 68th Street. It's pretty big, almost 30,000 square feet, and it sits on nearly 96,000 square feet in its property. It's the former PCC community market. It serves restaurants, several restaurants, retail stores, and professional offices were there. Now, the city actually purchased this property. We, we own it. We purchased it for $14 million. This is an important point because the city, we feel that the ownership and site control gives us maximum flexibility to develop the future of the property. Now, it would likely occur with a private partnership, so it would be a public-private endeavor. 
that the city would partner with through a probably an RFP or request for proposal process or something like that in order to develop this property. But having the ownership, having an ownership interest allows us to act on what we consider to be a very important strategic opportunity to address multiple important community benefits all within a walkable 10-minute neighborhood. This is a beautiful area. We have a beautiful city. A lot of work has gone into planning around this area, and I'm going to talk about that tonight. But the fact that the council now has ownership, the city has ownership, allows the council to this for this very strategic opportunity. And let me just see. With that opportunity comes these potential benefits. Yes, Councilmember Black. Sorry, sorry, Jim. I was hoping um, could you uh, clarify for everyone the previous the the situation that arose that that led to the purchase. So one option, one one path would have been the city approaches a, a random property owner and offers to buy property for fourteen million, versus what actually happened in this case uh, with the the existing owner seeking to sell and having an interest in selling it to the city as a, a community service. Yeah, my understanding is, do you want to take that, Beth? Yeah. We'll have Beth who kind of handle that part of the deal. Yeah, just hit that button. Can you hear me? No. Here you go. How about this one? Okay, hello everyone. I'm Beth Goldberg, uh, Deputy City Manager of Operations. And um, so um, it, it was a little bit of a journey um, how we acquired the property. We were actually, we actually approached the property owner um, about the PCC space that we knew was coming vacant to see if that might be available for lease. Um, we had, we had a, a, a couple of needs that we were, we were contemplating. And um, over the course of those discussions, um, we we said to the property owner, well, you know, might you be willing to sell? Um, and it was it was off market. the The property owner was not looking to sell, and um, so uh, the owner said he was interested in having discussions with us, um, and we um, negotiated the terms. Uh, the initial uh, purchase and sale agreement. Um, set the price at $15 million, but as we did uh, due diligence on the property, we were able to uh, negotiate a, a lower purchase price at the $14 million that um, Jim had just mentioned. Thank you. So it's with that background. Uh, thank you very much, Councilmember Black and uh, Deputy City Manager Goldberg, that the city acted on that opportunity and I think a, a really good way of describing how the council sees the strategic opportunity is this slide. The council has opined affordable and market rate housing, nonprofit program space, arts and cultural space, local serving retail space, and city recreational program space are priorities as they endeavor into this public process. So I think it's very helpful that these kind of signposts are out there to the community to get a reflection on how the, the council is prioritizing their activities. And we will post this presentation so you all have it as well. Now, what I'd like everybody to do as we kind of think through what this process looks like is to focus your attention on three key things, really 
piece, either documents or legislation. These three things kind of guide the city's vision, the rules, the foundation by which the decisions around this area are made. And they are the city's comprehensive plan, the Everest neighborhood plan chapter in that comprehensive plan, and the zoning code. There's been a lot of visionary work done in these documents, and these are the documents that the council is referring to as they move forward into this project. The comprehensive plan is a statement of the kind of community Kirkland wants to come. It is a big, broad-reaching document every 10 years. And it seems like just yesterday we did it before, but I think we're now in a comprehensive plan planning process, Adam. Yep, for 2024. So this is the guiding document of the city, how we will manage job and population growth. And inside the comprehensive plan, which is a big visionary document, it is broken up in part by chapters and each of the chapters has a, a neighborhood plan. So it's a neighborhood level section of that big visionary document. Now, the chapter that's immediately relevant to tonight's conversation is the Everest neighborhood chapter, otherwise known as EV10. Now, when I saw it, I thought electric vehicles, but it isn't. It is Ev the Everest neighborhood plan, EV10. So what does EV10 say? Well, EV10 directs us to the Houghton Everest Neighborhood Center, the HENC. I think they call it HENC. Okay, got it. Now, the HENC is a very specific plan to create mixed use a mixed-use neighborhood center that provides goods and services to the local community, and it should be, be coordinated with the Central Holden neighborhood. The Hank is the part of that neighborhood plan that addresses this specific area. Now, it is important for me to also point out that when the council passed legislation regarding the Houghton Village development, they did specifically opine that they have no intention of using this property for permanent supportive housing. That is a specific type of public housing. Now, if you're interested in the city's project on permanent supportive housing at the former La Quinta, I'm your guy. But that is not this project. You can certainly reach out to me after tonight and I can brief you on that. Uh, but I think it's important for us to note that as the council did. So what's the other controlling document or legislation or plan? And that's the zoning code. Now, the zoning code talks about at least 75% ground floor must be retail, restaurant, tavern, hotel, or office. So the zoning code is pretty specific about the vibrancy of the need in this area. Now, some of the things that we pulled out and with the help of Adam's team, thank you, Adam, is some of the things that we think the community is going to be immediately interested in, like the height uh, restriction. So it starts at a 30-foot maximum but it may be increased to 35 feet, so it can be increased if development includes one grocery, hardware, or drugstore. Now, it also can be increased up to five stories, that's another story, 50 to 55 feet, with the master plan approved by the city council after a full legislative process with opportunities for public participation. Now, that language actually sits in the EV10 
it doesn't actually sit in the zoning code, but it is inferred to be there by that EV10 plan. And that is what guides this project. Now, the new development is also subject to design review. So the way it's structured is, if you are going to do changes to the height, there has to be this very specific planning process that has a very specific public process that is only adjudicated once the council approves it. So let's talk a little bit more about what that means, the building requirements. So with regard to height, oh, I'm sorry, an additional two stories can be added, and it may be authorized by the master plan, like I say, which is approved by the city council. Now, another generally applicable development standard here is related to the horizontal expansion to a maximum of 80% lot coverage, which is the maximum percentage of the site that can be covered by the structure. This is a little bit more complicated. Adam, not to put you on the spot, but could you give a little bit of an explanation as to what that means? Thanks. Adam Weinstein, the Director of Planning and Building. This is getting a little bit into the weeds, but basically what that means is that 80% of the site maximum can be covered with hard stuff, so like buildings, parking lots, et cetera, then the other 20% needs to be um, green space, basically. Well done, and thank you. So what does kind of the master plan details entail? We're trying to take it down from the general to the more specific. Well, interestingly, the master plan talks about these things that should happen. Number one is a consolidation of the property so that we work together with building owners there on the northwest corner to try to consolidate, to make a cohesive development. Compliance with the principles in EV10, which we've already talked about, that's that separate section in the comprehensive plan around this area. A circulation plan and a driveway consolidation plan for the Everest portion of this neighborhood center. And provision for traffic mitigation as recommended in the 6th Street Corridor Plan. I highlighted that plan because it is very important. It's specifically referenced here. And I think it's important to note that the city has done a 6th Street Corridor Plan. Now, what happened was we had this plan in development to, because it is a such an important thoroughfare in the city, to evaluate transit and pedestrian and trail and bicycle paths. When we did the neighborhood plan, the EV10 plan, it became immediately apparent for the city to leverage that work, that transportation plan, and include evaluations of both 8A the site with redevelopment and 8C, I mean, without redevelopment, which would be 8A, and with redevelopment, which would be 8C. Now, with redevelopment, some of the concepts that were included in this plan, and we're going to we post this on the landing page for this information, and it's here, and we'll make sure that you all have it. It evaluated things like median control, driveway consolidation, wider sidewalks, extended bike lanes, including intersections, consolidating and protecting crosswalks, and a southbound right turn lane. Those were some of the specific considerations 
that went into the transportation corridor, which is a very important part of this planning process. I do have Joel Fund here as our transportation planning manager, and he can answer questions as we move into the question section tonight. But it's very important, we would like everybody to know that that work has been done and will help uh, inform the council in their decisions about this important uh, project. So what is the decision timeline? Well, the city essentially needs to decide in two years. And it's really two years from May because we purchased the property with financing that requires us to make a decision in three years. So we're coming up on that first year. Now, before making decisions and on how to develop the property, and it's really the next major checkpoint with the council. It's not, this is like a uh, repeating process, early in the process, but it's an important milestone for the council for the staff to come back in May, this May, with some insight from the public process that we're starting tonight. And this is what that looks like in a timeline. And let me just take a minute to go through this timeline. So the council authorized the purchase in January, but we actually closed on the purchase, as I said, in May. That's when the transaction happened. So the clock starts ticking on our financial arrangements in May. So in June, staff directed us to solicit feedback. And in February, we began our outreach. We sent out a lot of uh, social media and we announced it. Today, uh, that was in February, March 6th. Today, thank you all for coming. Thank you for participating at home. This is our community forum. This launches a more detailed outreach. We're going to have some focus groups if you want to sign up. We're going to have some more in-person directed facilitated conversations, small group meetings. We're going to go to neighborhood associations with presentations. That's going to happen from today through April. Once we get into April, staff is going to write all that up and synthesize it and bring it back to the council, as I said, in May. And the council then will just take that information, make some um, evaluations on some significant issues, which we're going to talk about, which we have talked about, the master plan, if we need a master plan, and other things like that during the May session. At least that's the current plan. So tonight begins that process. Tonight, we hope to get your feedback. What would you like the council to know? What do you need to know moving forward so that you can help us help, we can help you help us make an informed decision about this process? And we, we, we say within the boundaries of what's discussed, but feel free to ask us whatever you need, and we will do our best to answer. Now, I'd like to leave you with this slide as we jump into the community conversation part of tonight, which is just to reiterate again the priorities that the council have outlined with respect to this property. The council has said they seek to prioritize affordable and market rate housing, nonprofit program space, arts and cultural space, local serving retail space, and city recreational program space. And there's a lot of details to fill in in there, and that's what we hope we can work with you on as we move forward. So that is my presentation, and we have a good chunk of tonight remaining for questions. And what I'd like to do, staff, is kind of work back from the folks that are here and then to the 
virtual world where questions were coming in. So if we, I could start with a question here locally and then um, I don't know if I'm looking to Don or Kathy, but you guys guide me if there are any questions out in the transom. Yes. The city council approved the purchase. I think uh, uh, Deputy Mayor, yeah, thank you, David. We'll, we'll pass around a, a microphone so everyone can, can use that microphone. Uh, the Deputy City Manager talked a little bit about how the opportunity was presented to the city, and the opportunity was then uh, communicated to the council, and in January of 22, the council voted to authorize the purchase. Sure. So uh, the the property was purchased with um, an inner fund loan. So we used existing dollars, and by state law, we're required to, to pay back the inner fund loan within three years, which is the May 2025 date that um, Mr. Lopez was referencing. Um, the idea is to find a partner, the public-private partnership that Mr. Lopez um, uh, mentioned to um, help develop the property and to develop a long-term financing plan because this would be a public-private partnership. We uh, do believe that um, some of that, that, that private partner would, would need to bring some money to the table to offset um, uh, city taxpayer dollars that would, would go for this. Would it be 100%? Um, can't say that with certainty, but we are, we are, um, uh, hoping that there are some private dollars to offset uh, the purchase price. Um, in addition, um, the city is under obligations to um, meet affordable housing guidelines. So there is there is an expectation that that state law be that in state law that um, we do spend um, our dollars in meeting affordable um, housing. Um, goals and objectives. So um, from that respect, it, it, it is something that is uh, mandated of us. I think that's part of what um, we will be exploring both with the community as well as with the council of um, what level of, of uh, median income are are we targeting with the affordable housing? There are various there are various um, uh, levels that that we could aim for, but that's not a decision that has been made thus far. So let me just jump in. Thank you very much. So the, sure. I'm going to go ahead and repeat the question. Although it'd be great if oh good we have the microphone so everyone can hear the questions were did who authorized the purchase of the property and the council did in January. 2022 and the question is about affordable housing and what that means and we know what it isn't here It's not going to be permanent supportive housing and the health through housing program But there is a wide spectrum of public sub subsidized type housing that the council would be considering so let's jump over here And thank you for using the microphone. Thank you Don. Okay so to proceed with the master plan options would require uh, including the Houghton Plaza site 
has the city started any conversations with the owner of that site? I don't think any formal conversations have been started, but Adam, if you want to jump in. That's right, yeah. What do you mean by any formal versus, I mean, you can do a lot of things on the side without being formal. Well, I called several people this morning who I believe to be owners there to let them know of the town hall. Uh, but the council would have to authorize the master planning process. That's still something that's a decision that needs to be made. And then I think the master planning process mandates that we reach out. And as a follow-up? at least, um, yes. If in order to do the master planning process, there has to be a public process associated with it. As a follow-up, would the city be considering changing the zoning code to get what they want? Well, I think what's on the table, um, Larry, is the what's in the EV10 plan. So what has gone through the process around the, um, the neighborhood plan with the Everest neighborhood plan is as I articulated in the slide. So what it envisions is if they, it already envisions the zoning code having the ability for the city through a master planning process after full legislative process with the council to increase the height to the five stories. So if that's what you're referencing, that's what's in the plan. If there's something outside the plan, I'm not aware of it. So we'll have one more follow-up and then we'll go. Uh, wasn't that, I mean, one, the council can change zoning code and yeah. say, oh, we, we don't need that. We don't need to include the Houghton Plaza site to do this and maybe we'll change it to five stories without a master plan. I mean, that's Perfect. That's within the council's purview, even though it's gone through the public comp plan and neighborhood plan process. So that was the question, actually, is the city looking at, oh, if we can get this, will we need to change some of the zoning code to achieve our objectives and public benefit? Well, I think the, the answer that I would give you is I'm interpreting your question to be saying for the city not to do that. I think that would be your comment. And I think descriptively, this is where we are. And the council's here to listen to your opinion about what they should do in the future. So thank you. Uh, any questions? Let me go to the, to the virtual team. Yeah, Jim, we have one from Susan Harris-Hutter who says, could we look at how, or I'll read the full comment and the, the question. Affordable and market rate is much too low for low-income seniors. Could we look at, uh, or sorry, is too much for low-income seniors? Could we look at housing for seniors that include universal design? Older adults have nowhere to go locally that is affordable if they sell their homes. Hence, they get reverse mortgages and stay in place, homes that could be redeveloped. So I think looking at... Uh, Housing for seniors that includes universal design is, is Susan's interest. Well, thank you very much, Susan. I think that falls within the purview of one of the kind of guiding principles laid down by the council. So thank you for that. And then also, uh, Susan did have a quick additional one. So stating that this is a major walking route for young children going to Lakeview Elementary. Any design must have good sight lines to the street and sidewalk for drivers to see young children. Yes, thank you again. I think... Um, there is an emphasis on those types of things in the Sixth Street Corridor Plan, and I think those considerations have to be taken into account as we move forward um, with any option that involves this redevelopment. Yes, sir. Hello, dear uh, uh, city council members and community members. I have a question and a statement. 
uh, I can get to the statement when there is a good time. And the question is, uh, does the city have a plan to use the PCC space in the current time before the final decision is made how to redevelop the area? I'm going to turn to my colleague, Beth Goldberg, who's also handled that part of the project. So uh, we are in the process of exploring options to activate uh, the space and um, bring more foot traffic to the area. We've got um, a number of things that we are considering or um, at this point planning on reporting back to the city council on March 21st. So I don't have a lot of specifics that um, I can offer today of this is what will go there. Um, but we are looking at options to activate the space. One of the challenges that we have is that um, the interior of the space is um, needs a little TLC and um, the cost of the TLC um, to um, have an occupant in there versus the short-term nature of it. So those are the types of things that um, we as staff are weighing and then ultimately will be the city council, will bring some options to the city council for a decision. So please tune in uh, on the 21st. Yes, and your comment? Very brief input for um, for your meeting, future meeting about the use of that space. So we are one of the nonprofits currently located in the Houghton uh, village. Uh, we are focused on youth. We have world-class uh, training program in judo and wrestling. I can talk about it infinitely because we are very passionate and we have achieved a lot of results in a very short time, like hosting two Olympic uh, medalists. Wow. Uh, uh, hosting uh, uh, world-class uh, Japanese coach. Um, uh, a lot of our kids are nationally ranked by USA Judo. And historically, United States uh, felt behind other countries in the uh, medal count for for Judo in Olympics. Uh, we are going to change it, and we, are, we have the momentum going. We know how to use that space. Uh, please Google Washington Judo Academy. Uh, we're in Houghton Plaza. You can come over and see what we do, see the kids. There is a YouTube video with interview, uh, parents, kids, talking about uh, our program. So please, yeah, if you need more input, I will be uh, glad to provide. Thank you for that. Thank Congratulations you. on your program. Sounds amazing. Other questions or comments? Well, let me try to, yeah, and then we'll, I promise to come back. Hi, I don't know if I'm understanding this right, but uh, zoning code, 75% should be for those categories, retail, tavern, hotel. Um, but in your other slide, you know, the priorities of the programs that you want to put in there, none of those seem to fit into any of these 75%. So, you know, art space, school space. So are those falling under the office? Hey, good question. Um, so what this, what this uh, provision is talking about is just what's on the ground floor of the building, mm -hmm. right? So 75% of the ground floor of the building has to be basically retail uses, but the building can go up to three stories right now under existing zoning and then five stories with the master plan. And so all those other stories could hold all the other types of uses that we're talking about, like community space, affordable housing, market rate housing, et cetera. So what's above the ground level is not necessarily all um, residential. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yep. Okay. Thank you for that great, great question. And thank you for clarifying, Adam, I think I had mentioned one story, but it's two stories from current zoning, right? Up to five stories. 
It's, no. It's thir- so what current zoning allows right now is 30 feet. So that's basically, th- it can be three stories. And then with a master plan, it can go up to five stories, which is usually something like 50 or 55 feet. What, what's there right now? It's, yeah, it's one, it's basically one story. Yeah, yeah. That's what the zoning, that's what we would allow with a master plan. Yep. Thank you for that question. Hello. Um, my question, well, it's actually more of a comment and just regarding the retail. Um, would that consider, would there be a consideration potentially for affordable retail? One of the things we've heard coming um, through the COVID process is that a lot of our small businesses are have been displaced or are getting displaced and there's a great need for more affordable retail. So is that in the mix and that could that be added to the list of potential uses for the space? Yeah, I mean, I think retail broadly defined is what the council's considering, so yes. Uh, yes, I was wondering um, with the targets that the city has put out for this site, were there already some loading studies that were done for the acreage? For what what you could actually put there when it comes to numbers of units of housing? We, we haven't done that yet. Yeah, I think the concept is listening to what the community has to say and what they're looking, what you're looking for in terms of what can be accommodated on the site, and then trying to figure out what is the best design for the site in terms of the size of the building and open space on the site and pedestrian access to the site and how tall the buildings would be. Thank you. And just a, a follow-up question on that is, I, I am Allison Lorig. I work for uh, Bridge Housing, which is an affordable housing developer nonprofit. And one of the things I really appreciate the the nod to affordable housing, and especially as you're looking at your comp plan, um, one of the challenges that we have, of course, is the funding for those and and affordable retail um, or low income retail for folks. And and what are those other funding sources that are helping to to support those those facilities in their building? And and as the city council is taking a look at how this site can be developed, making sure that they're looking also at the financial fundamentals of, of these developments. Because of course, construction has been going up quite <laughs> quite rapidly mm-hmm. along with interest rates. And, and when we're seeing what the viability of these projects are, we can design lovely buildings, but if we can't afford to build them, it doesn't help anybody. That's right. Thank you for that. Yes. Hi, I, uh, just a quick question on the height again. In this zone, the retail, is there a minimum requirement for 12 feet on the main floor? Yes, I think it's, I don't think it's actually 12 feet. I think it's 13 feet. I could be wrong, but it's something like that. Right. Yeah. And that's to get really good. Um, John Kapler is asking about the re- retail spaces on the ground floor. We like really tall ceilings on the ground floor to provide a really high quality retail space similar to what you see on Central or other parts of downtown. It captures the retail aesthetic when you have those kinds of parameters. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um, originally, when we looked at the Houghton Everest Neighborhood Center, uh, back when we were doing the Central Houghton Neighborhood Plan, there were some traffic studies and some, um, I guess what you would call loading studies. They, they're a little bit old um, as far as price goes, but there was that information about what they uh, maximally could plan in the Houghton Everest Neighborhood Center. So I'm sure it's in the archive somewhere. Um, 
we don't have to <clears throat> reinvent the wheel. Um, that that was already done, and those numbers were already generated. I know they were generated for the um, traffic along 68th as well. Um, just FYI. Thank you, Lisa. We'll we'll absolutely look at that. Who 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 was the lead on that, Adam? Do you know? Well, anyway, we'll we'll make sure we look into the archives for any kind of reference okay, and, materials. And in, in talking to um, neighborhood people, um, some of the questions that you're getting about um, who authorized the purchase and all that, I think, is stemming from um, the why uh, more about why the city went ahead and um, got in the game of development and and purchasing property and um, especially. Now, when people are concerned about their their property taxes, and and it it bothers me a little bit that the city went ahead and purchased property without any um, idea of what they were going to do with it. Um, it, especially if it's not um, a government function. I could see if it if we needed a new maintenance yard and we needed the you know a certain amount of acreage to put the maintenance yard in. But just buying property and then figuring out what you're going to do with it afterwards doesn't sit very well with myself and um, other people that I've spoken to. Thank you. Other questions? Hey, Jim. Jim, maybe I could take a, a quick shot at that, answering sure. that comment. Uh, can everyone hear me okay? This Our city manager. Uh, so, so I appreciate that. Um, comment very much, Lisa. What I would say is we didn't buy it with no idea. I think we purchased it with the concepts that were laid out about the public benefit that we see. So um, I think something that is important to recall back in January of last year when this purchase came about, what we we're hearing from the community is very similar to some of the comments we've heard tonight, which is everything, every opportunity for things are, ev are evaporating. Right, so there's no space for nonprofits. There's no space for um, sort of lower income retail. There's no space for housing. And when the person who owned the shop said, "Hey, I might put this out on the market," what we knew was likely is it would convert to just straight luxury housing. And we've been having the conversation also the stationary plan about how can government maybe help create some of these public benefits that are so necessary to create a complete community. So how could we be a catalyst to have a public-private partnership that would result in affordable housing, that would result in like a together center with nonprofit space that might create a safe space for arts and cultural areas. So while we don't know exactly how we're gonna do it yet, it wasn't that we had no idea why. And so that was why I proposed this concept to the city council. And you can see all that in the adopting resolution that these are the things that we wanna explore because if there isn't some level of government intervention, these things don't seem to happen anymore, given the way the economy is working in East King County. So um, I just wanted to sort of be clear, it wasn't that we had no idea at all. It was that we had some very good ideas, but we want to make sure that we get it right as to which ones and in what order and in what priority. Thank you very much, uh, City Manager. And those are the principles in the slide we've articulated as to what is likely to guide the Council's decision moving forward. Yes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, this I, I should know the answer, but I don't. Uh, as it sounds like now, the city is the owner of this property for the three, two, three years while it will be sitting there. We're, you, we are all planning. Is the city and therefore everybody in the city paying taxes on that property? Yeah, we we own the property. We are the owners of the property. So, uh, but as a government entity, we don't 
a property tax to ourselves. So um, we are we are leasing the uh, many of the the spaces all but one at this point are being uh, leased, and the city is getting revenue um, from the leased space and. As uh, mentioned earlier, we are um, exploring options for the vacant PCC space. And we're responsible for any of the costs associated with maintaining the property. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, okay. Uh, and then we talked about could go up to 55 feet. What about how far down does it go? Is there any maximums or minimums on seven stories of parking underground or? There's no maximum in terms of how far it can go underground besides just the basic feasibility. Um, there might be water underneath. There might be groundwater underneath that would need to be pumped out. So um, it'd be probably very surprising to see something like seven stories of parking underground. That would just be incredibly expensive to build. Um, but there's no limitations that I know of on yeah, how, how far you can go below besides just physical constraints. That's a very good question. And then last one. It seems like there's sometimes these days something is being dug somewhere and there's historical artifacts. I don't know the proper term for that. Is there any awareness of whether or not this site has that or that will just be a surprise one day if it does come or could this all be? I don't know how to ask my question appropriately. If, but yeah, I can take Dinosaur that. bones or something, you know. We're subject to rules like everyone else. But. Yeah, no, I, I can take that question. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a good question. Um, cultural resources are something that we care a lot about in the city, whether they're above ground, like historic buildings, or below ground, like archaeological resources. And as part of this project, we will do some sort of SEPA analysis, State Environmental Policy Act environmental review for the project. And part of that might involve coordination with the State Historic Preservation Office. Um, or local tribes as well to see if this is an area that's sensitive for archaeological resources. And if it if it is an area that's sensitive for archaeological resources, we'll take necessary precautions to make sure those are protected during construction. Yes. So I mean, right. Just to be clear, right now, yeah, we're not aware of any archaeological resources on the site. That's not something that uh, that was uncovered through other planning work that we did in the area. But it's an, another sort of layer of investigation that we'll do. And that question was to, to the panel: was when will that work happen? That was Adam's uh, Adam's response. So thank you. Yes, David. Yeah, Jim. We have some signed up online. I think maybe we should go there for. Let's a do that. Okay. So, Ennis, can you? The first speaker is Susan Harris-Huther, followed by Karina O'Malley, Roman G, and Sheila Loesch. Yes, Susan. Welcome. I don't know why I'm looking up. Susan, can you hear us? If you can, we can't hear you. Okay. Yes, I can. Oh, good. Can. We can hear you now. About that. This is just all confusing to me. I'd already written my questions. I would gone that way, and then then I got something from David saying to go this way. So you already answered my questions. I guess my only concern about all of this is sort of what the gentleman asked earlier. We have so many empty buildings right now around Kirkland. We have that whole thing by Petco, and we have all this stuff. It'd be very nice to make sure that we have, um, frankly, we have businesses down there that are doing well and, and going to be doing well until such decisions are made to, build, to go into construction. I'm just concerned about a lot of empty buildings. 
Thank, thank you. Thank you for that. And we are going to talk on the 21st about near-term um, project ideas. So, Kathy, who's next? The next speaker is Karina O'Malley, followed by Roman G. Welcome, Karina. I'm just going to go ahead and assume there's a five-second delay. And Karina will be joining hey. us. Yep. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, I had a question about the sort of the preference stated here for grocery store or drugstore when there's one of each of those right across the street. Can you talk a little bit about um, why why that was sort of baked in? Adam, do you want me to take it? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. I think you know grocery stores are considered just as you know, Karina, just something that's very essential to communities and neighborhoods, right? And people like choice a lot in grocery stores as well, which we've learned from other planning projects in the community. Um, sometimes somebody might prefer one grocery store over another. So I think the intent was to just ensure that there is local serving retail uses on the site, whether that's a grocery store, or a hardware store, or a drugstore. That I think that was the intent. Um, grocery stores. Um, you know, they can come and go as well. So just because there's a metropolitan market across the street doesn't mean that it will stay there um, forever as well. Although, just to be clear, there are no signs that the Met market is leaving at all. So. Thank you for that question. The next, next speaker is Roman G. Roman, welcome. We're going to do that five second delay. Roman. Yes, you're making me, not making me look good right now. Um, hope you can hear me, guys. Um, yes, I was welcome. Wondering, yeah, thank you. It was uh, very interesting to listen to all of that. And I was wondering, um, are you, uh, is, uh, you know, impact on the neighbors being considered? There are def definitely lots of houses that have a nice lake view at this moment. And uh, I was wondering if uh, you know the height of the building is being um, you know considered with regards of uh, blocking these views. I think the answer is yes, um, both in terms of this process, as we um, reach out to the community tonight and through various other small group meetings before May. But if the council should do that option, as per the current EV10 neighborhood plan, there would be a separate public process associated with that master plan. Yeah, and just if I could chime in too, Roman, this is Adam Weinstein. Um, you know, generally speaking, private views aren't protected in the city. Um, and so generally speaking, what we would focus on in looking at the design for the site is views from public corridors, so streets generally around the, uh, the site. So just wanted to make that clear as well. Um, views are really, really important in Kirkland, so we want to be sensitive to them. Um, but generally speaking, that focuses on public viewpoints and not private viewpoints. Sounds good. Thank you so much. We're going to have one more so comment the, uh, from the, the virtual crowd, and that's going to be, uh, Kathy's going to read that comment. The next speaker is unable to say it, so I will read it. Thank you for answering my question. I'm unable to ask it aloud. May a council member please say it for me? Um, Oh, shoot. Um, and I'm not seeing Sheila Loesch's question. So yeah, she Sir asked, Kathy, this is Kurt. The, the question was whether 
uh, it's both sides of the lot and not just the Houghton okay. PCC side of the lot. And the answer I put in there is, yeah, it's, it's both sides, the east and west part of the Houghton Village lot are part of what the city purchased. And we have no one else signed up to speak. Well, thank you, city manager, and thank you, Kathy. So let's go back to our group here. Any other questions, comments, insight? So we'll go here, and then we'll go right over here, and then back in the corner. Um, my question is about uh, safety for schools. Uh, do you consider safety that it will not be compromised uh, for schools, for little children, because there is elementary school right next to this uh, almost load. So uh, do you consider safety for children to walk home? Uh, we do, and I see the council writing away. And um, yeah, I think, uh, thank you for that comment. I think inherent in that comment is that you'd like us to prioritize safety for school children in the redevelopment. Yes. Thank you. Yes, because I know uh, some uh, kids go home by themselves. So um, it should be managed. And uh, I have related questions uh, about, uh, for example, uh, my child, children, I have two, uh, they're on waiting list for extended program after school because mm -hmm. we work, we need to <laughs> pay taxes. Uh, uh, and right now there is a waiting list. Uh, and I feel uh, that we will never make it. So it's basically what uh, I got as a response that they do not have space for uh, extended program for people, uh, for more uh, kids uh, to enroll in the program. So do you consider anything for youth, for teens, uh, for uh, high school children, any programs? I'm very excited to hear that there is something like this uh, and more, for example, even have uh, ideas, uh, for example, have different classes, uh, like art, not like art uh, offer it uh, to draw just one project and forget about it. Uh, kind of like a school when people can develop uh, their skills. It's not only about art, it's just one example. When uh, kids, for example, can uh, once a month, they can present their works, maybe sell something like uh, to drive, uh, uh, to excel in children, different ages. It's not only also about children, also for uh, people mid-age, uh, seniors, different programs to come together, uh, sure. be involved in different programs. This is what I would uh, benefit, not only me and uh, um, neighbors I know. For example, I have several girlfriends uh, who leave their children at home below required age. Mm -hmm. It's because they cannot find extended program. Mm -hmm. Everything either is very expensive or not available. Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is yes. I think part of the process that we've designed is to get insight and interests and priorities from you and our community. I would also ask you, as part of this process, to join into some of the small group meetings that we're planning between now and May. Because one of the things we hope to do in the small group meetings is have conversations, all of us, you know, up to 10, 12 people in a meeting where we can flesh out interesting ideas that address community concerns yes, like I that. Yes, I have a lot of ideas, different ideas. Yeah. So just sure. let me know how to join this group. Sure. Also, as idea uh, uh, to build a, a, a swimming pool, uh, like in Bellevue, uh, I try to uh, to sign up uh, my kids for Bellevue, but uh, it's available for Bellevue residents. Uh, so it's really hard. But there, there was um, a very good uh, swimming pool. 
So it's good exercise. Uh, so we have we have some information for you on a swimming pool as well. I'm looking at Councilmember Curtis, who chairs our Parks Advisory Board. So there's a lot going on in that space. Thank you for your question. I actually am the chair for a Parks Funding Exploratory Committee about building a swimming pool. The Houghton Village site is too small for a recreation and a swimming pool, so we're looking at two other locations. Um, but we will be talking that on March 21st, another meeting to turn into about future recreation in Kirkland. It's a great idea. So, so thank, thank you. you. Let me let me pass that along. But yeah, just you, one uh, quick uh, comment. Sure. Uh, also, uh, uh, once we develop something, uh, is it possible also like uh, similar what Bellevue is doing first for our residents and then for any other residents, Bellevue residents or any other residents? Kind of like make Kirkland residents uh, people priority. For example, if uh, somebody would like to sign up for any class, first sign up for Kirkland residents and then open for other residents. We do, in our recreation programs, we do prioritize uh, local residents. And one of the ways that we do that is they get a better rate than outside residents. So please, please bring those ideas and we'll make sure to connect with you and everyone about how to sign up for those small group meetings. Yes. You asked several times, about what we want to yes. see. So I'm just going to say that because Please. we haven't really addressed that. A lot of it is what the other lady already has said. I would love to see youth programs, sports programs, recreational facility um, communities for both youth and seniors. Maybe um, the other person that suggested affordable housing for seniors. Mm -hmm. So longtime Kirkland residents can remain in the city. Um, I don't know, a little performing arts space for the children mm -hmm. in the school, um, a little playhouse, um, all of these that would benefit um, all ages. Um, mm -hmm. Cultural center, a rotating gallery, showcase Kirkland. Um, we want to be as good as downtown Kirkland. Sure, I'm hearing a theme. These that are is... just ideas I think that um, would benefit everyone. Sure, thank you very much. I'm hearing a theme of start very young and go all the way up to senior folks and make sure there's a diversity of opportunity in the programs that these properties could provide. So thank you. Yes, sir. I just had one clarification and then maybe, uh, well, a couple of clarifications, I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, one of the slides I think you referenced early on, I can't remember exactly, but I thought you said that there was a statement that you were not going to have long-term temporary housing. It was a very specific permanent supportive housing, the Health Through Housing Program for King County that we, we, we've just endeavored upon. Right at La Quinta. Yes, yeah. You're not going to do that, but are you going to do short-term recovery housing or something like that? Is that the kind of the between the lines to read, or I don't understand why you would make a comment about long-term but not short-term? Well, the... Guiding principles are affordable housing. That's that's kind of the spectrum by which we're talking about. And maybe I could use a affordable life permanent housing or temporary. Sure, permanent. Yeah, sure. I think it could be. There's a different. There's a complete spectrum on subsidized housing, affordable housing, yeah. that that could be available in this program. But to the extent to the extent there's more detail than that, I don't know if uh, a city manager wanted to comment on that. No, I, you know, I think at this point, the goal is that that's a housing product of some kind, but the only sort of category we ruled out is permanent supportive housing. But I think that's one of the things that we're going to be exploring over the next, you know, two years. Okay, got it. Thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate it. One more thing. 
So you mentioned that you kind of stumbled across this thing and purchased the property without, uh, um, with some idea of what to do to development, but not necessarily everything in place. So I heard that you say that under normal circumstances, coming from a building world, you would tender for bid for public works. But then I also hear that you may not have enough money, so you need to partner with private money and private developer to finish it out. So which one is it? Is it going to be a public works project or is it a private development for the city and one of which you don't pay taxes and you, uh, you know, use city money to, to purchase property with? Well, I believe the plan is for a public-private partnership. So that would be bringing in a private entity to develop the site. I think the current proposal, the current thinking of the council is for a partnership with a private entity to develop the site. Well, we would, we would hire or partner with a private entity to develop the, the site consistent with the principles that the city manager talked about and the council has articulated that I put in the slideshow as to how to meet the community needs, these kinds of multi-generational needs, programmatic needs, uh, in addition to private residences. So it's not just private residences, I think. Um, so can, can I take a please, please, stab yeah. at it? So um, projects like this, um, and I know we have um, uh, uh, an affordable housing developer in the audience because she identified herself, um, is is generally um, a, a public-private partnership. In this case, we own um, the land, um, and finding land, um, uh, particularly of this size, is, is difficult. But typically, uh, a, a development like this would um, involve financing from a private partner and some, um, you know, like, uh, do we provide the land, they develop it, but then the, the, the income streams and the way it ends up penciling out is what are, what is the, the lease and the rent revenue that comes in and then how could, does that pencil out to defease the cost of, of you know, purchasing the land, um, the development costs, um, operating costs, and things of that nature. We haven't developed we haven't developed that plan yet because we want to hear public input. And then, as as part of the next phase, once council says, you know, this is our vision, um, based on input we hear from the public, then we would we would um, develop those plans um, and and hopefully identify a partner to um, work with us on that. You want to make sure you have a mic. Adam, did you have a thought on that? Just, yeah, just, yeah, you sound like you know it really well. And I just for the rest of the audience, I would just note that there are lots of examples of that around the region. There's a place called the Together Center in, in Redmond as well, which was also a public-private partnership that has affordable housing and then social services on the ground floors of the building that serve the residents who live there. So, and there's, you know, a dozen or more other projects across the region that have been built in the last several years as well. So um, yep. good precedents for it. And thank you for the question. I think it's incumbent upon staff to make sure that we communicate those uh, examples so that you could see kind of the parameters of kind of the things that we're thinking on. Yes, David? Uh, Jim, we have a few more from the question and answer on the Zoom. 
Okay. Um, so from Georgina Sewell, uh, hello, it's great to hear the reference towards nonprofits. I was wondering how the city is considering working with existing residents, especially a nonprofit that has been a resident for some time. Well, with respect to this project, please, we would ask at this point to just get involved. Come contact us through the landing page. I would ask the nonprofit to be part of our small group discussions. And we are going to write all that up so that the council can see, so that the council can help shape their decisions about what type of public-private partnership we want to do. So please be involved. And I think this is a great time for that person to check in with, with staff. Great. Thank you. Um, also from Lori Fulton. He says, seems like only major developers would have the kind of money that city needs to pay back the loan. Do you have any nonprofit organizations who have expressed interest? It looks like traffic would go to one lane. This will create a worse bottleneck. Did you see how auto transport times would be affected? Well, let me start. I don't know if, Joel, maybe you want to take the reference to the transportation issue and how it may have been addressed in the 6th Street transportation plan, and then we'll pivot back to part one of the question. Uh, sure, Jim. I would just say that the, um, the you know, although the graphics are kind of, you know, small and stuff like that, people will be able to look at them online, and the 6th Street corridor study in its entirety is also available on the website, and, um, but the the resulting results of the Sixth Street Quarter study will not be eliminating any of the existing travel lanes. Um, basically, uh, it maintains the existing travel lanes and provides uh, enhanced walking and biking facilities. There will be some, um, you know, the proposals for the 68th through the area uh, was to provide better access management, better um, uh reduce conflicts between people walking and biking and driving, but generally it will um, remain like it is now and there won't be any elimination or reduction in vehicle capacity. Thanks, Joel. And the first part of that question was, um, seems like only major developers would have the kind of money the city needs to pay back the loan. Do you have any nonprofit organizations who have expressed interest? Yeah, I think the hope is, and the expectation is, as we move forward through the process, we will get nonprofit partners to express interest, maybe being part of the development deal, but also for sure to be participating in the development of the property. So there may be multiple ways for nonprofits to be involved. And with the council's priorities, it seems like um, uh, the council has already articulated a very high priority for nonprofits to be a very important part of the development. Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, thank you. I just want to get back on the ownership issue. So you, you I'm, I'm actually a little confused. What I heard Mr. Triplett say was that the city's directive was to ob obtain the property so they could control the direction, and which could have been done through the master planning process anyway because they have legislative power on that. And now that I'm hearing through the the partnership, public-private partnership, I'm hearing you say you want to maintain control of the property through continued ownership. Well, that's what I'm hearing you say. And so now the city is in the real estate business because there won't just be public spaces there. There'll be private spaces there. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think the parameters of the deal, 
are to be decided by the council. I think I don't want to prejudge in this early stage where we're taking information in from the community what the ultimately the final deal is going to be or what the terms and conditions of the public-private partnership would be. One interesting checkpoint to look for that is when we RFP the project, what we're asking for from the private developers. This is a good milestone as we check in with the community as to what decisions are made about that. But I don't know the specifics of the deal, the percentage ownership, the uh, whether or not the city maintains an ownership in perpetuity. All of those decisions are in front of us and um, subject to this feedback process. But I do think there's multiple places to check in as to what decisions are being made about that. And I think the RFP and how we communicate with the private developers is a good place to do that. Uh, we have one question here, and then I see David in the back. I just looking to better understand, I'm a little bit confused uh, between the PCC site and the Metropolitan Market site. What the city has purchased is the PCC site, but then I'm hearing a little bit about, well, if we also uh, purchase, take control of what have you, the met market across the street, then we go up to 55 feet? No, I don't think I'm, that's Maybe I'm misunderstanding. So. Yeah, Sorry. thank you for the point of clarification. Adam, maybe you should talk about what the EV10 neighborhood plan articulates is needed or is um, advised that the city do in order to increase the height limit. Yeah, so the, the policy that Jim is talking about says that if you take the PCC site that the city has purchased and the site to the east of it that the city hasn't purchased, I'll call it the Turkish Deli site. <laughs> it used to have a Menchie's, so we used to call it the Menchie's uh, Shopping Center. If you do a planning process for that, those two sites together, one that the city owns, one that the city doesn't own, and do a master plan for it, then you can, that meets certain criteria that are in the policy, then you can go up to 55 feet. It doesn't, the policy does not talk about the site to the south Yeah, the city has not bought that. No. The, no. No. The, thank you for that question. Though we're going to put the map up so we can try to clarify what the city has purchased, what is associated in the EV10 plan. It's kind of this collaborative arrangement with existing property owners so that we can kind of clarify that. Sorry, technical issue. As we fight through our technical issues. I think it's where the former Menchies used to be. I think it's that part of the development. We've called in the uh, IT professionals. Any other questions while I roam with a microphone, which is always a dangerous thing? Larry. That's not really a question. It's just to remind uh, staff to go back and look at the uh, Sixth Street Corridor study and the HENC public comments, uh, which are all documented on what kind of uses people want, wanted then. I think they're still valid. Yep. This is supposed to be a 10-minute neighborhood, uh, and so things that serve the, the surrounding neighborhood are also as important. Not, you know, not saying that uh, nonprofits are not, but uh, the types of things to make this a vibrant community as well. And then the other part of it would be uh, that the concerns that people raise, especially about views along 68th, which was really a big issue with pushing buildings right out to the sidewalk mm -hmm. out there. So I want 
keep that in plans as you go through this. Uh, there's different ways uh, to to uh, meet those needs without kind of ruining the look and feel of the corridor. Yeah, thank you very much for that, uh, Larry. I think that it's an important note, it's an important point that we take from tonight is that all the work that was done on the HENC plan and the EV10 plan needs to be part of this record. It's all very relevant to what we're doing and we should be building off of that, including the transportation plan. So I've asked uh, Adam to go ahead and show us on the map what we're talking about. Thank you for that point of clarification. So we can we can pull up an aerial photo later too if that would be easier to see. But I mean, this is the Houghton Village site right here that's shown in yellow outline. And then the site to the east, the, the east of uh, the Houghton Village site is, yeah, the Old Menchie's Shopping Center, Turkish Deli Shopping Center. Um, and what the policy says is that if you combine, do a master plan for this site and the Old Menchie's site, you can that meets all the criteria in the policy, you can go up to 55 feet, five stories. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good point. No, he's, he's talking about the master planning process, collaborating with the owner, ownership on this side of the facility. So we... I think what... So the question is, does the city want to buy this property too? Yeah. Council member Black? Oh, sorry, briefly. I was just hoping Adam could explain that a master use plan, uh, two property owners or more can collaborate on a master use plan. I think there's some confusion that if there's going to be a master use plan for both sites, that has to be under one ownership. That's, yeah, thanks, Council member Black. That's exactly right. Yeah, there, the site doesn't have to be under unified ownership to do a master plan, and we recently did um, worked on a master plan at the Bridal Trail Shopping Center that had multiple owners, actually. But there was a comprehensive plan for the entire uh, shopping center, even though there were multiple owners. So, thanks. So, yeah, so no upzoning at this point, right? This is, you know, about collecting public comment on what, what the community wants to see in this area. Exactly, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, the current zoning is for three stories. With a master plan, it could go up to five stories. It is with the master planning process. And thank you for that point of clarification. It is not joint ownership. So let's go to David in the back, and then we have put, put up the aerial view of, of this area here. And uh, if you would like us to elaborate on that, let us know. David? Yeah, Jim, we just have a few more online questions. Um, so EB says, Kirkman has over 90,000 people, but seems only four to five fitness centers. Is there any incentives so that fitness centers can come in? And more importantly, if rent is expensive, the membership cost will be expensive at the fitness centers. Hence, low-income residents may not afford to have decent fitness centers. Am I up? Councilmember Curtis. <laughs> Thank you for that question. One of the reasons that we are exploring building a, a recreation and an aquatic center is that so we can provide programming and recreation services for all members of our community because the truth is um, that we do have a lot of residents who can't afford these private clubs and we'd like to provide those services to the entire city of Kirkland. And we have a lot of materials on the park advisory board that Councilmember Curtis is a chair on. So we're happy to send you the links to that. It's really quite comprehensive about a lot of the issues you guys are talking about that may be involved in that important work. Yes, David? Uh, just a few more online. Um, so uh, Jen has her hand raised, so we'll start to um, 
bring her in so she can speak. Um, and we also have Lori Wada, who has a comment. I would like to see a one-stop service center where nonprofit organizations servicing various social services, including affordable childcare services. Ah, again, the theme, multi-generational. Yes. Nonprofit servicing both the needs of the young and our seniors. And Susan Harris Hutton says again, I am a little concerned about the lack of a traffic plan on 68th. The 6th Street plan is important, but traffic on 68th is awful from 2.30 p.m. until around 5 p.m. Duly noted. Um, Kathy. We have no one else signed up, but we did have a question from the audience, which I think has been answered, who is asking if the map could be put up again to clarify if the space was just the old PCC or also the Bank of America site. Yeah. So Adam's going to go ahead and do a new aerial photo, and I'm going to pass my microphone to Lisa. Um, I, I'm hearing a lot of um, uh, support for uh, small uh, businesses going in um, to that area, nonprofit and small business. We, we lost uh, a few businesses when the Google 3 came in. There was the dance studio um, chain line had to move. Um, there was a music center there. So I think um, what I've heard from neighbors is they want to see some of those smaller uh, local uh, businesses come back. Um, and um, uh, my question is, um, um, after going through the 85th Street sub-area, um, how does form-based code fit with the zoning code? Uh, I, I don't think I clearly ever understood um, the city switching over to form-based code, which basically says we don't say what goes in the building, um, uh, is my understanding of form-based code on a, and on a very basic level is that we don't talk about what goes in the building, we talk about the form of the building and the function of the building. Um, so how is that gonna relate to development in this area and um, some of the zoning code, uh, such as step backs, which were really important and hard one um, back when we did the HENC one, two, and three, um, the, the setbacks and the step backs of the building uh, above three stories was a, a vital part of. So um, I would like kind of a answer about how form-based code fits into this and how it's gonna fit into design review and how it will, might change um, the zoning code. Thank you very much for that. So Adam, maybe take that first and then take us back to the map. Yeah, thanks Lisa for asking about a form-based code. It's something that we have used in the station area, um, which was recently adopted by city council. We're working on the second phase of zoning for that Northeast 85th station area, which uses a form-based code. And I think Lisa, the form-based code concept that you're describing is probably a lot more pure than the one that we have in the station area. There is a little bit of use regulation in the station area, um, but generally speaking, a form-based code is a, a zoning code that focuses on the physical form of buildings and not the use that's in the buildings to promote a mixture of uses, which is what we like when we um, think about 10-minute 10, 10 neighborhoods where you can live and work in the same place. Um, so right now here um, at this site, there's not form-based zoning currently in place. We have regular standard use-based zoning um, with a list of uses that are allowed and a use of, of uses that aren't allowed. 
So again, that's form-based code is a, is a cool concept and we're using it in the station area probably for the first time in the city, but it's not, it's not in place right now for this, this site. Um, in terms of the urban design um, concepts that you were talking about, Lisa, right now the, there is a requirement for stepbacks. So if you're building above two stories, there has to be a 15-foot setback from the streets uh, around the site. So uh, if there's a master plan for the site, um, for the, the PCC site, which is right here. Am I in the right place? Yep. Yes. <laughs> PC site, PCC site, site right here, and then um, the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the Turkish Delhi site um, right over here. If you're doing a master plan for that entire site, there would have to be um, above two stories, 15-foot setbacks on 6th Street and 68th Street um, to reduce the, the presence of the buildings on the street. Thank you. Yeah. So I think for, the, for our folks out there, maybe we could take the map down. We could bring back up the Zoom. John. Thank you. Uh, so Adam, I, I don't know if this would be a question for you or the council members here. If the project moved forward and the city did maintain some ownership through percentage condominiumization, whatever, and we do have some use base regulatory requirements on the main floor and some of these public spaces that possibly could be owned by the city instead of the private sector, the financing or subsidizing of the leases on those spaces would probably have to be part of the general budgeting. I just want to kind of understand how the flow would work on that. Yeah, so the, the, the financing of the spaces I can't really speak to. Maybe, maybe um, Deputy City Manager Goldberg could talk about that, but in terms of the zoning for the site, I mean, it, this, the zoning is silent on the ownership of the spaces, just to be clear. The zoning is concerned about what the uses are, so regardless of who owns or leases the space, as long as the uses are right for the ground floor, it's compliant with the zoning code. But I do think answering those questions is part of this process, so we're taking notes on all of that tonight, and I think it's gonna manifest itself in various milestones, and one of the things I wanna make sure we do when we report back to the council is we reflect on that. Right. Right. Yep. Answering those questions, I do think, is important as we move forward to what the city is thinking of. I see a question here, and then David in the back. So I, um, I just need, for my own comfort, to ask this question. Um, part of it was already asked. I just need uh, to hear a little bit better explanation from you about what you don't intend for this property to do. Um, I think the ideas uh, described about what we're interested in um, sounds good to me, um, but I am more concerned about not assuming that some of the things that is not intended might not actually happen. And I'll just say, you know, I have children who all live in Seattle, so we know, and I run into all the time, some of the issues they have there that the La Quinta property is also running into, and I am just personally concerned about in that Houghton development that we not sort of plan to invite some of those issues into our neighborhood. I'm just concerned about it, but I don't want to assume that that's in your not intended to statements. I just need you to clarify for me, please. 
Well, I think the specific reference I was making was to the resolution that the council passed authorizing the purchase, and it is specifically to that program and that type of permanent supportive housing project. It is um, one of the priorities to do affordable housing, as you've seen, and there is a broad spectrum of affordable housing, and I think as we move through the, this process, we will start to articulate the types of projects that the city is thinking about in that spectrum. But the specific communication, I think, that the council made through the resolution was that program type would not be included. And we could perhaps, well, we have on the website, and I'm going to ask David to show you the landing page that has a lot of the information put in one place so you could see everything at the end of this presentation so that you can see directly what the resolution says about that, and it references the health through housing type program. Yes, David, and thank you for that question. All right, so we have a comment from Fred Schwender on the question and answer. I'm concerned for all the businesses that will be displaced with this project moving forward. Will they be invited back once the development is finished? Um, displaced with the... Are they talking about the, you're talking about the three-year development period? Um, unclear. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming it, the question, um, and perhaps we could get some clarification, but I'm assuming the question is um, once a decision is made to redevelop the property, what happens to the businesses at that point? Um, certainly in the short run, um, all of the existing businesses have been offered um, leases through June of 2025 with an opportunity to extend to month to month if we're not redeveloping by then. After that, um, most of uh, the, the rents at the space are below market at this point. Um, but um, we... Um, we want to assure those businesses that they will that they can remain um, during this period, and what happens afterwards depends on you know how quickly um, we find um, someone that can partner with us to develop the property, um, as well as as begin um, work on the property. So um, that that's how I would answer the question. I see your hand raised again, so perhaps there's more clarification. No, thank you. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to ask Ennis to um, promote Jen, who's had her hand raised for another question or, or comment. And if that didn't answer the last person's question, please let David know, and we'll take another crack at it. Thank you. Jen, you've been promoted. Go ahead. Jen, can you hear us? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, there we go. Thanks. Sorry about that. <laughs> my five-year-old smudged my iPad and I couldn't <laughs> get off of unmute. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate that the city bought this property and is giving the public um, time to make uh, comment and input. Um, really, frankly, my big concern is that this just doesn't turn into a big project like what's going to happen at Tech City Bowl site. Um, I know the neighbors in that community are kind of worried about this big monstrosity. And I feel like 
this city has had, you know, their way with big development in the downtown area and now on 85th. And, and personally, as someone who lives in the Houghton community and enjoys it, I, I would like for it to stay quaint and community centered and not, you know, overdeveloped on every little square inch. And so I am kind of opposed to having, um, you know, high density housing neighborhood go into there. Um, I do have a child that goes to Lakeview and my heart kind of skips a beat every time I drive past there with the traffic and those little kiddos like every day and um, seeing them narrowly miss the commuters. And I just worry about how that would affect them. But also um, I had the same thought as another person who spoke about after school care and a community prop, um, uh, a community um, center. I had the exact same thought. There is such a lack of before school and after school care. I would love for that to go in um, within a block of, of Lakeview. Um, and I would love to have something like the North um, Kirkland Community Center go in there or a gym. I would much prefer that um, over housing. Um, and that's, that's my comment. Thank you. Thank you again. That theme of functional space across generations before school, after school. Yes, David. Oh, uh, Councilmember Curtis. Jim, we are planning on reaching out to the school district during this process, correct? We are, yes. Don, can we get, let's, let's have you say that in the microphone so everyone at home can hear that question and then we'll address it. Thank you. I already received answer. Just, uh, what would be your question to schools? You just mentioned that uh, you're going to reach schools, like uh, to ask about their needs, right? That is correct. Yeah, we would ask the schools like we're asking tonight. But we would with the schools, we we'd ask them what are their gaps in services. Like, what do you see as needs uh, in your vision of providing the essential services you need? How can we partner with the city and the private development to? reach your interests. And I think that has to be a very important part of our process. Yeah, and it's very convenient as, uh, I don't know who, who it was, a person mentioned that it's very convenient so people can even walk uh, just uh, even less than one block and continue either program. Yes. And again, not only uh, little kids, teens, uh, high school, uh, people mid-age, seniors, everyone. Sure. Sure, so thank you for that point, and thank you, Councilmember Curtis, for raising it. Yes. I just want to follow up on that also. We work very closely with our schools on safe walk, to sc safe walk to school route plans, so that will also be part of the conversation that we have with Lakeview and the school district is how to make sure that whatever happens here provides a safe environment for the kids to get back and forth to school. And there are improvements that could happen in that area. Okay, hold, hold on. We'll do one more question here, and then we'll go in the back. Yeah, uh, I'm also concerned about traffic because uh, I, I cannot tell uh, exactly time. Uh, I think from uh, 3 to 6 or maybe 5, traffic is really bad, and uh, some kids uh, going to home, so kind of like I'm very concerned. And if we build very uh, extensive uh, program uh, pro project here, so traffic probably will be worse. Uh, do you consider any... Uh, a sort of improvements, how to make traffic e uh, easier, because right now it might be an issue in, at, some, uh, at some time. Thank you for that. Yes, in the back. Um, three, and I'll just 
rip them off in a row and then you can respond as you want. Is this the first, does the city of Kirkland own something like this currently, or it's I I don't mean to say the wrong words, but mixed use of residential and for-profit for that's the first question. You'd mentioned that I think there's something in Redmond, there's something in Redmond that's like this. So as you build uh, stuff for the community to respond to, if you can include examples of where a municipality or city, whatever owns something like this, and that'd be great to see. And then sorry to go back to the market thing again, but just, is there any connection between, I know you, you said EV10, you made that part clear, but it came up earlier where you said there's no formal discussions, but I was unclear. Is there any connection? Does the city have any interest in pursuing something there that is related to this in any way? Okay, three, I'm not, we, we will absolutely make all of the public-private partnerships that we're thinking of available as we move through this process. I think that's a really important point so people can see how it works. I defer to Adam and the team to reference existing public-private partnerships that are like that in the city right now. Um, not fully aware of one, um, but they, they exist in our neighboring communities. And the third question, Oh. About no formal conversations. I'm just unclear of whether, what, how to interpret that. Well, the formal reference was mine because the master planning process actually contemplates, uh, strongly suggests that those conversations happen. But the council has to decide to do the master planning process. That's one of the decision points as we move forward. So if the council decides to move forward with that, those conversations will happen. Uh, we, I am reaching out and trying to reach out just to make sure all the landowners know they may not be reading This Week in Kirkland and know about our town hall. So we're being very proactive to try to make sure that they know what we're doing and offering up my time to meet with them or to come in and do the meeting. So that's a top priority for us in the council. Um, and the formal relationship with Metropolitan Market, I think Metropolitan Market would be part of the master planning process. It wouldn't have to be. wouldn't have to yeah. be. It could be. It wouldn't have to be. And I think it's likely that we would communicate with all the businesses in that area to be inclusive about how we're visioning the site. Thank you. Oh, so we'll go here and then David in the back. Just one quick comment. I hope that you guys keep in mind as you develop and move forward. And there was a comment made earlier, and I thank you for your comments. Uh, about developing and, and um, you know, the spaces and leasing them as you go into the developing realm. As city buildings, you know, institutionally owned buildings, generally in the past, they've always been considered to be just utilitarian and, right. and kind of plain. And obviously the surroundings that we have here, this is a beautiful building. Sure. It's very comfort, full of creature comforts you need to spend a lot of money to do that. And I would just encourage you that in your plan, make sure that you understand the development well enough to build a beautiful, architecturally significant sure. building in the middle. Don't just fill it full of, uh, I understand going for the, uh, the nonprofits, I understand all of that, but as long as you're gonna delve into the development realm now, please do architecturally significant buildings that are beneficial to the community, regardless of what they hold for services, because we're going to have to drive by these things sure. every day. And it's the life cycle of the building, regardless of the use, sure. that's going to be beneficial for the whole community moving forward. Sure. Thank you for that. And we, we have that point noted. And um, I think it's an important one for us to consider. Thank you. David in the back. All right. So we're going to promote Tep Nishimura. Um, and while TEP is getting uh, promoted, also a question from John 
um, in the Q&A, will priority be given to existing nonprofits and businesses? In two years, will the whole lot be redeveloped? And if so, what will happen to the existing tenants? We would love to see sports programs like the Washington Judo Academy continue to thrive. Well, I'll speak to the priority. I think the council has articulated in several places that they are prioritizing nonprofits, and they do have an, uh, very sh a very keen eye for those types of community services. It's in the deck, and I think it's in various uh, points in the council's communication to the public. So thank you for that, and I think the answer is yes. And uh, the second part of that question, David? Yes, sorry. Um, Trying to keep up with the com multiples. Um, in two years, will the whole lot be redeveloped? I think Beth maybe spoke to that. Like we're not. Well, the timeline is two years for our current funding, so I don't think it would be fully redeveloped in two years. But yeah, the the intent is that it's not fully redeveloped in two <laughs> years. The intent is that we um, have a plan and a financing plan um, within the two years. Um, how long after that? it takes to redevelop the property, we can't say at this point. Thank you for the question, because I think keeping the timeline of decisions and when we transition from the temporary use to the permanent use is very helpful, so thank you for that. And then I think TEP has been uh, promoted, so comment on from the Zoom. Hello. Welcome, TEP. Thank you for having um, the community members um, be a part of um, voicing their opinions and giving you input. Um, I am um, part of the, I am a parent uh, that have um, two um, boys that attend uh, Washington Judo Academy. And I am um, promoting judo because I think judo is, is, will be good for the community. Um, it helps um, with building teamwork, leadership, and helps build the um confidence. And I think it would also be um, a, a resource for um, community members um, and um, parents um, to send their children to um, a recreational um, um, uh, opportunities for them to be a part of. Um, and also, you know, build a safety, safe um, neighborhood and environment. Thank you for that. My small favor to ask is if you do actually win a gold medal from a facility here in Kirkland that you will reference tonight. <laughs> That's all I ask. Hey, we're going to do it at the end. Oh, you want to have a comment? Thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to clarify that our youth program starts at like as early as two years old, and maybe earlier. Like it's parent oh. assistant program, and when kids are comfortable, they uh, they can follow uh, instructions. They can uh, attend other classes. Uh, we already rent space in the Cotton Plaza, uh, former uh, pet pantry. Uh, I think it's close to the market rate or market rate based on what we uh, heard from other places with private ownership in Bellevue and Redmond. And um, yes, we are. We, we have a crazy community, very passionate. Like we, nobody gets paid. We 
spend countless hours. And somehow we even get support internationally abroad because Japanese, for example, coaches, Mongolian coaches uh, with Olympic credentials come to teach to our academies. They see something in us, a fire. And we're ready to spend, uh, we already sp spend tons of like out of pocket money just to like get this running. And we are ready to do whatever possible to get the PCC space because it will be perfect for us. We know how to use it. We will run multiple youth programs there for all ages, not just youth, adults as well. We will serve. Uh, like community members, police, fire departments, running special training programs for them and like self-defense, whatever. We we love what we do. We are very passionate and yes. Thank you <laughs> Thank very you. much. I do, uh, do not have a script. Thank you. No. We, we are, thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. It's interesting because this is a maybe our first hybrid town hall meeting and I'm feeling like, you know, on the network news, you need those little things in your ear because I have David waving in the back and People waving them, it's kind of interesting to land the planes. So Lisa, then David, and I think we're probably coming towards the end of the evening. Yes. Okay, to extend on um, the comment earlier about um, archi having architecturally significant um, areas, uh, one of the things that I've noticed, um, and I'm sure the uh, council members have noticed, uh, the, with the popularity of Park Lane, and even in Totem Lake Village, if you go by and, and see the fire pits, you know, a covered outside area to gather. Um, I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of like Covent Garden or Leadenhall in, in London. Um, I could send you pictures. It, it's beautiful architecture. You have the retail on the bottom. Um, and it's basically really broad um, community spaces for people to just hang out and be there. Um, is uh, any... Anything that um, Park Lane has taught us is that uh, the community desperately wants that, and I think it needs to be covered. You know, let's be real. Um, but um, that's um, a, it's not a it's not going to be a money generating um, in itself. But we need to allow that kind of space, the community space, because this is our community center, and it would be nice to have a basically our little Houghton Center um, uh, and have that be incorporated in part of the, um, uh, the look of or function of the place. So thank you very much, Lisa. I think, I think that is a, maybe even a theme tonight is the use of the building for sure, but the design and the placemaking and the opportunity for the city to influence the process as a having an ownership interest to make a place there that were, that's not only nice to look at, but brings people together in a, in a very kind of um, community-centric way, and it's beautiful to look at and wonderful to experience. I think that would be a theme we come, come from tonight. Yes. All right, just two more. Um, so in, in the past, there was a world-class martial arts academy called AMC, but when Google came in, AMC financially crumbled, and that is what I heard. Obviously, places like AMC can't compete financially with companies like Google, but essentially, but essential to the community. What kind of financial subsidy does the city provide to level the playing field? So, you know, I'm going to take from that. There is no immediate financial subsidy. Uh, we had various subsidies or grant programs through COVID we're very proud of. 
But I'm, I'm going to take from that comment a theme for small businesses and how important it is for this development in this space to allow for opportunity for small businesses, micro businesses perhaps even, to participate. So I think the answer is duly noted. We understand uh, the need, and I think we'll do what we can in terms of placemaking to make that conducive for small businesses. I'm seeing another question. This yeah. is great. We're at 745 and we're still getting questions. All right. Hello. International Community School is near Houghton, and some of the kids who attend this public school do not live very close. Any chance some of the families can rent some of the new housing space? They're talking about when the project is finished? Well, we're going to take note of that. And I would say please join us in our small group meetings. That's interesting. Uh, interesting theme to build on. Thank you for that. Okay, so I'm going to ask at this time, David, if you don't mind coming up and calling up the landing page. We've created a really comprehensive single point of contact on the website for you to visit and really just work through because we hope to have all the questions answered in this one place. And if we don't, it's a, we have a, a process that you can help us build it up and answer questions that we haven't. So thank you, David. And he's going to bring it up. And um, I think one of the things tonight we need to do is link to the Parks Advisory Committee information on this site because I think there's a lot of interrelated issues. Thank you, Councilmember Curtis. Um, I'd like for the this landing page to be uh, please go there and sign up, by the way, if you're interested in continuing this conversation. What we like to do in the small group meetings is have folks uh, speak, uh, really speak to each other, and we learn from the conversations that happen as you communicate with each other. It's really, really helpful to the city staff and ultimately to the council because we write it all up. But if you go to this uh, landing page, you'll be able to see the timelines and the, place, the places where you can send us comments, participate, and just stay involved in the process. So thank you, David. That's what it looks like, uh, the future of Houghton Village. And um, we'll be sure to send it to you, too, if you'd like. We can connect with you after tonight's meeting. So with that, and you can just leave that up, David. I always. Oh, we have one more question. Could you please put um, direct links? Uh, it's really hard to find information on the city website sometimes. Um, so the HENC1 um, zoning code, um, the 6th Street corridor study that, as it relates, um, the Everest neighborhood plan. Um, In this section here, I think, is what you Very you're good. Excellent. Um, because it's it's not easy to find on on the city website, um, you know, typing in Houghton Village or you know even Everest Neighborhood Plan, you really wander through some some high weeds in order to get the information that you're looking for. So um, I'm glad to see is the Everest Neighborhood Plan on there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just the policy. Um, okay, so we'll make sure that the full plan is there if so, it isn't. Yeah, the link in the comprehensive plan to the Everest neighborhood, maybe even uh, the Houghton neighborhood as it relates to um, that center yep. so that you have both sides of the street and the whole idea of what we were planning in there. 
And the traffic plan, yeah, I think yeah. we have up there now. Thank you. But thank you because this also enables you to help us, which I would humbly ask. You know, you could send this link if somebody wanted to know what that plan looks like. We, I apologize for going through the weeds and not finding, but we, to the extent it is relative to this decision, we will post it on this on this page. So it would just be a one click for you to get there or to refer people to there. So thank you very much, Lisa and John. Um, I think we have two more comments and then I think uh, I'll wrap it, David or Kathy. Yep. Yeah, so uh, just a comment from Market Bowl. I cannot see how you can build enough parking for nonprofit and rec activities as well as affordable and market rate housing. Many youth programs require plenty of parking for parents to pick up children. There is not an abundance of street parking in this area. Every development that planning reviews the topic of how expensive parking is to build. Developers want reduced parking requirements. Thank you, Margaret. And I think there's one more. Nope. Nope. That's it. Thanks. So thank you. Uh, uh, Councilmember Black. Uh, thanks, Jim. I, I, Adam, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think there's one point of clarification that just based on some of the questions we've heard tonight, I feel like there might be a little bit of confusion. Um, when we've talked about the zoning for this property, and we've talked about the fact that it's zoned for three stories, and we've talked about the fact that with a master plan, it could be built up to five stories. That is all existing zoning adopted, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in 2017 or 18. Those decisions were made. None of that, the three, the, the, the three stories, the five stories with a master plan, none of that is part of this current decision making. Um, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Thanks, Council Member Black. Yeah, this is really, again, about collecting feedback from the community on what the community wants to see on this, on this property to be developed in the future. And again, the presumption is that the existing zoning will continue. And the technical amendment, I would say, is it's in the comprehensive plan. It's not physically in the zoning code there, but it is referenced in the comprehensive plan to be included in the zoning code. And that was what we put up on the slide as the asterisk. So thank you. That decision has been made. And that is the context by which we had our decision tonight. So with that, and thank you, Councilmember Black, I just wanted to just kind of um, emphasize what the city manager said about the desire and the kind of impetus for the project is to rise to the moment, to meet our community needs, to do it creatively, to do it collaboratively. Um, we are, um, it's such a beautiful city and we're in such demand and space is in such demand. We wanna make sure we're living up to our responsibilities of a government to make sure that we're doing all of the things we need to do to meet the needs for all of you. So thank you very much. A lot more to follow. Please sign up, go to that website, please, and sign up for the small group meetings. Uh, I look forward to seeing you there, and we would you know, just love to hear your insights to report back to the council in May. So with that, I think I turn it back over to Mayor Sweet. And uh, you, Mayor, I think you take it from here. Well, I'm not prepared with anything, but... Um, I think it's just to close I, the meeting. <laughs> yeah, okay. So just thank everybody for the questions. Thanks for all the brilliant ideas about things that we have to work together to consider. Um, and, you know, put, put a bookmark on that webpage and help us through this next two years of planning. Thanks a lot. Uh, and with that, I'm going to declare this meeting adjourned. Thank you.